everyone, Jim Thompson here. Welcome to the Jesus on Display podcast. Before we begin today's content, I wanted to say thank you so much to everybody for supporting us here at Fellowship Greenville with your gifts and your generosity. Because of your giving, we get to share resources like this podcast with you to help reach you wherever you are in your life with Jesus. If you'd like to support the ministry of Fellowship Greenville, you can head to fellowshipgreenville.org forward slash give to get started. Thanks so much for your support and we hope you enjoy today's episode. What shape should biblical perseverance take? How should it look? What are the contours of it? And if this is one of the questions that we need to pay attention to, then that means enduring well is the name of the game, and so that's why we're asking, what shape should biblical perseverance take? And I legitimately believe that in answering their, this question, there is a key that's gonna unlock faithfulness to Jesus in our hearts if we pay attention here. Think about when you undertake a big project. <clears throat> like Think about your, the posture of your soul and how your brain and your heart and mind and your body, how they're working when you have to do a big thing. Marathon, <clears throat> not a sprint. I'm talking about like a long project at work, months and months, maybe a couple years, not like an afternoon of emails or I'm talking about the long haul of parenting until they leave the house and not just go and eat your food, right? Even though, <clears throat> please eat your food, right? That's what I'm talking about. How do you think when you know what you're doing is contributing to a big picture? <clears throat> when you set out for something like this, hear me, <clears throat> how you handle your responsibility in the moment is most influenced by your expectations of the outcome. How you handle the stuff right now, eat your food, how you handle that right now is gonna be most influenced by your expectations of the outcome. <clears throat> now, if you know at work that Jennifer and John are gonna, they're gonna botch the project. They're absolutely gonna mess it up no matter how hard you try, no matter who you talk to. Isn't that gonna decrease your desire to persevere well <clears throat> and to be diligent? Yeah. And if you are parenting out of the fear of what the big bad world might do to your sweet little Jackson one day when he leaves the house, right? That is gonna make you absent from loving him the way that you should today. Now, here's what I'm saying. In some unique, fun way, <clears throat> expectations determine reality. The horizon sculpts the here and now in some way. But here's the big difference when it comes to Revelation 3 and when it comes to the Bible and the Christian life. We gotta get this. Because of Jesus, because of Jesus, we have a guarantee, a sure thing. If you belong to him, your eternity with him and his people is locked down, it's secured. Because of his death and resurrection, he has definitively opened up the forever temple, right? So, <clears throat> when we think about our question, about the pressures of life and our responsibility to endure, Here's what Jesus is teaching us in all of it. And this is long, but, but every word on this matters. Here we go. Biblical perseverance. What shape should it take? Biblical perseverance is a hope-shaped perseverance that is divinely anchored in the surety of the future and not the seeming uncertainty of the present. We gotta feel that. <clears throat> and this matters probably more than you think it does right now. Biblical perseverance. When we open the Bible and look, about what it mean, look, look at what it means to endure, when we open the Bible, it is hope-shaped and it is anchored because of Jesus in a sure future and not our interpretation of the likely uncertainty of the present, right? Biblical perseverance is hope-shaped. 
Now, that doesn't mean, <laughs> that doesn't mean Jennifer and John uh, are not gonna botch it, okay? They still might botch it. And that doesn't mean that your kid might not get distracted when they leave the house. But your real identity is not as an employee or even a parent. Your identity is not whether or not the Roman Empire steals your vineyard and your produce. Your identity is that you belong to Jesus, that's it. And your true hope is that you will be a pillar in the temple of God and you'll never go out of it. The new Jerusalem is your forever inheritance. And the implication of this in Revelation three is direct. Because of this, you have a fixed and a rooted reason to hold fast because of Jesus, because of our secured future. Now we have all the reason we need to persevere and to endure well. Hey, uh, church in Philadelphia, is the economic future uncertain? Hey, it doesn't matter because your eternal future is certain, so you should hold fast today. Are you worried about your personal health and all the pains and strains that surround it? And for some of you, that's real. Like every day, your health is the only thing that you can pray about. And that hurts and that stings, but brother and sister, I've got really great news for you. Be still and know that you're gonna get a new resurrected body one day in the new Jerusalem, right? Are you living in familial or religious or social or relational tensions like Philadelphia? We all are. Do you feel like sometimes that there are certain rooms and certain spaces and in front of certain people that you just have to walk on eggshells? Well, listen, get this. We have unending hope and peace that those things are not gonna last, but rather Jesus' kingdom is gonna last. And better yet, we can be agents of the hope and the peace in the middle of all those spaces and in the middle of all those tensions because of our assured heavenly future that's beyond it. We can be assured of that. Look again at Jesus' line of reasoning in verse 11. Look at verse 11. I am coming soon, implication. Therefore, hold fast. Again and again and again, biblical perseverance is hope-shaped and it's anchored in the future. Now, I don't know how you think when you start off on a marathon and not a sprint, when you start off to do something that's long haul, but maybe you think about how you feel in the moment. Like, oh, I'm tired, or I got these other things going on, and I'm spinning all these plates. That's not wrong, but that's not the total right how. Like, when, when we try to stay committed, sometimes our minds drift to like, well, if people knew where I came from, like if people knew my story, they'd be a little bit more chill with me, they'd be a little bit more kinder to me. Or maybe you overfixate on all the spinning plates that are your circumstance or situation. And you, you think about what effort you have to have to endure and keep all these plates spinning all the time. And yes, we are called to everyday responsibility, but my question is, zoom out, step back. What is the frame around all of it? <clears throat> and it's simple, hope is the how. Hope is the how. It is the way that we are called to persevere. Biblical perseverance is a hope-shaped perseverance. And personal confession here, I, uh, <clears throat> I've been doing ministry stuff for like 25 years, and I love it. It's one of the greatest joys of my whole life. Like I love being y'all's friend and y'all's pastor. And the only time <clears throat> in 25-ish years I've ever thought 
about maybe I should do something else. Maybe I should leave Philadelphia. The only time I've ever thought about that was the end of 2020. Like, dude, I was hanging on by a thread. And I don't say that, <clears throat> I don't say that for, for pity points. I say that, one, because there will come another season, another time in your life where you're gonna stand at that exact same crossroads. And I say that because that's exactly the crossroads at which the Church of Philadelphia stood. That's what they were feeling. And maybe they thought, dude, I just, just like these vines, I need to get uprooted. I just can't do life and mission with Jesus here near the volcano anymore. It's just too hard. But Jesus' words to them are a reminder, hey, hey, your hope is set, and I will keep you through the trial, and I will be present with you until and in heaven. Let us uh, step back and consider for a few minutes how we should respond to this word. I'm gonna put these up on the screens, but here are a few suggestions as to how we should do the hope-shaped Perseverance of Revelation 3. Here we go, a few suggestions. First of all, <clears throat> don't bow to the voices of extremity, but stay the course of keeping God's word. Don't vow, bow to the voices of extremity, but stay the course in keeping <clears throat> God's word. The verb keep, perhaps you noticed it, it's used several times in our passage, verse eight. It says, you have kept my word, you have den not denied my name. Verse 10, Jesus says, you have kept my word, so I'm gonna keep you. And this <clears throat> is in contrast to the voices of Philadelphia that have the supposed final word on religion or economics or whatever it may be. Those voices of extremity are trying to drown out the simple what that we are called to. Love God, love others, make disciples, serve the poor and needy, repent of sin, live in community, depend on the Spirit, and do all of it by keeping God's word, his truth. Long, brothers and sisters, long to know and understand holy scripture that you might keep it. And in doing so, silence the constant loudness of other voices. <clears throat> this is really cool. I love this. You ready for this? John, who wrote Revelation, John discipled this guy named Ignatius. And 20 years after the book of Revelation was written, guess what? Ignatius was this pastor, and on his way to what he knew would be his martyrdom, he wrote a letter to the church in Philadelphia. He wrote a letter here, and, and guess what? Guess what that means? They were doing it. They were staying the course. They were holding fast. The letter <clears throat> begins like this. Ignatius, the image bearer, to the church of God the Father and of Jesus Christ at Philadelphia that has found mercy and is firmly established and rejoices in the suffering of our Lord, fully convinced of his resurrection. I greet thee in the blood of Jesus the Christ, who is our eternal and lasting joy. And just like three paragraphs later about scripture, Ignatius goes on to say, we love the prophets because they set their hope on the coming of Messiah and they waited patiently for him. Now why am I telling you about old Ignatius? Here's why. Brothers and sisters, check it. It's actually possible to live like this. You can do it. It's actually possible to endure. The church at Philadelphia did it. They held fast rightly. They didn't yield to extremity. Rather, they stayed the course, trusting God and his word and keeping his word. Next, and closely related, <clears throat> don't cave under the pressure of what feels urgent, 
but stand firm on the promises of God to his people. Don't cave under the pressure of what feels urgent, but stand firm on God's promises to his people. Now, again, you're 100% responsible and accountable for what God has put before you every day, but do not let those things dissolve into the tyranny of the urgent. Remember Jesus' promises in this passage. The hour of trial in verse 10 is short-lived compared to eternity. And his promise is that he will save us and deliver us all the way until the end. And I think this is especially like acute and poignant in, in our day and time. There's so much pressure in our day to achieve and attain and accomplish Like our world doesn't sleep. And it's like, yo, you better work harder. You better work faster. You better work more. Go, grind, hustle, do it. Have 83 sources of passive income. Never cut your brain off. Don't ever sleep. Make your money work for you. Know everything that's happening all the time with everybody. Don't ever stop. Sheesh. And sometimes I think we need to go for a walk and we need to take a deep breath and we need to remember God's promises. To you, he says, Hebrews 13, I will never leave you or forsake you, ever. 2 Corinthians 12, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Matthew 11, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary, and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Revelation chapter three, hold fast, I am coming soon. And there are dozens more. But listen to how simple and annoying this question is. Ready? What if God's promises governed our thoughts more than our phones? Dude, what? What would that look like? What if the promises of God, just like these, govern the way that you thought about your family life? It's not your kingdom. What if they govern, what if it governed God's promises? What if they governed the way you thought about your emotional life? What would change? Like, are you gonna leave Philadelphia now? What if the promises of God dominated your thoughts when money and politics were on the table? Hey, would anything be different? You're gonna keep God's word? And this might just sound completely asinine to some of you, but I'm foolish enough to believe it. I believe that the promises of God have enough power to take every place of worry in your soul and make it a place of deep rest and trust and joy. I believe they're true, and I believe the promises of God have that much power. And I think that's included in a robust Biblical perseverance. All right, first, don't bow to the voices of extremity. Stay the course and keep God's word. Next, don't cave under the pressure of what feels urgent. Stand firm on the promises of God to his people. And lastly, don't rely on your own power to persevere, but rely on Jesus' power to preserve you. Do not rely on your own power to persevere, but rely on Jesus' power to preserve you. Now, the more I studied this passage, the more something stuck out to me. 
<clears throat> so a couple times, Jesus tells this church, behold, which is like, <clears throat> you know, pay attention or, or see, right? He does that a couple times. And we already talked about the verbs hold fast and keep for a little bit. But when you marry these things to the fact that this church had but a little power in verse eight, meaning they were small and weak, <clears throat> you, you start to realize something. You start to see a beautiful picture. Watch, watch. Jesus is saying, hey, hey Church of Philadelphia, behold, see. He's saying see because he go, he's like, I see you. I am attentive to you. I'm attentive to your needs. I, I understand. He knows their struggle. And he's telling them to hold fast because he's holding fast to them. Cling to me, Philadelphia, because I'm clinging to you. Hold fast to me, Fellowship Greenville, because I'm holding fast to you. And you can't make it up. Look at verse 10. You've kept my word. Look, so I'm keeping you. So when it comes to patient endurance, do not rely on your power to persevere. You still got to, but you have to rely on Jesus's power to preserve and keep you. And it's not just his power, it's the promise of the gospel. He has the power to do it and he will do it. He alone has the rights to. Hebrews says that he persevered ahead of us. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. God did not remove Jesus out of the hour of his trial, but carried him through it. Jesus passed through death and out the other side, and now he has the keys. And now what he opens, nobody can shut. And when he shuts, nobody can open. And because of his crucifixion and glorious resurrection, he has eternally shut up death and hell and opened a way into God's new world. He has conquered ahead of us. And now when we trust him, we share in his overcoming. We share in his victory. Verse 12 again, to the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the eternal heaven temple and I will write on him the name of my God. Look, feel the absolute wonder of this for your every single day to day. Ready? Jesus' ability to preserve you is infinitely greater than your ability to persevere. Come on. And guess what that does? <clears throat> that brings you just as much humility as it does hope. And the fruit of that is a glorious hope shape, endurance, and perseverance. Jesus on Display podcast is produced right here at Fellowship Greenville in Greenville, South Carolina. Thanks so much again for listening to today's episode. Follow and share this podcast with anybody who might be interested or curious about our church community or how storytelling unites us and helps us feel more connected. To actively keep up with what's going on in our church, head to our website at fellowshipgreenville.org. Follow us on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thank you again so much for tuning in. Grace and peace for your week. We'll see you next time.